Abolition. Abolition. During the George Floyd protests, Minneapolis police were caught shooting rubber bullets at people. At one point, these officers, in an unmarked van, continued their rampage, shooting at more folks on the street. One man, Jaleel Stallings, who had a firearm he was permitted to carry, shot back. That's when officers did this. They run up to Stallings as he lay on the ground, surrendering himself, and they assault him. People protest, officers continue shooting in the crowd. Gotcha! <laughs> That's right, a fist bump for shooting peaceful protesters with rubber bullets. This man, Lieutenant Johnny Mercil, says F the media and mocks reporters. It's time to put the other people in jail. This group probably is predominantly white. Oh, yeah. not looting and fighting. Nice to hear that we've moved to. Today it was just nice to hear. We're going to go find some more people instead of chasing people around yeah. we're going to and here an officer says they're going to go around and in his words hunt 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 people who's that man I see underneath the hanging tree Am I really free? Could have been my mother crying for my brother. And everybody, everybody, everybody's praying for peace. But who's gonna protect us from the police? Keep these chains off me. Don't give a damn about you. 
Abolition. 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 Well, you just heard Minnesota cops on on uh, audio driving around hunting peaceful protesters, and that was followed by Hanging Tree by Elijah Blake. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archive podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org. We're also available on all major podcast platforms and a simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Peace, Brother Yusuf. I am here at the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina, um, about to close out the year of Abolition Today with you. Can't believe it. I, I just can't believe, you know, this season went by so fast, and we covered so many things in those 40 episodes. We're in episode 41. Those 40 episodes are just so compacted, and we covered, you know, uh, at, at least a master's degree in slavery abolition within those 40 episodes. So last week, uh, you know, we spoke about, the press conference in Florida's capital announcing the introduction of joint resolutions to amend the state constitution and introduce anti-slavery legislation. Florida will be joining the Abolished Slavery National Network as the ninth state to introduce such legislation since 2020. And to take to date, four states have abolished constitutional slavery without exception, and 21 additional states are organized and get some, some of the legislation introduced. So 2022 is going to be a big year. And finally, a joint resolution to introduce a new federal amendment to counter the pro-slavery language of the 13th Amendment is gaining bipartisan support in the House and the Senate. So after 41 episodes of Abolition Today and 28 episodes of Live from the Plantation, Season 2 now comes to an end. Sad. We spent the year kicking slavery's ass and taking names, costing the industry billions and directly participating in organizing three-fourths of the U.S. to change their state constitutions and end slavery for the first time. We've honored our ancestors, we've uplifted those in bondage, we've educated the youth, and we made so much national impact that the White House might sue us for whiplash. <laughs> We're not even close to being done yet, though. So we want to hear from you during the season finale of such an epic year. And our efforts in 2021 have inspired, enlightened, or changed you. Call us and let us know, uh, 515-605-9814. Remember to press 1 so you can enter into the call queue. So this may be this year's finale, but it's the beginning of the end for constitutional slavery. In 2022, as many as nine states will have ending slavery on the ballot with a joint federal resolution to introduce the 28th Amendment. We'll be right in the middle of it all. So before we start, Max, what's going on? Oh, man, that's a, that's a lot right there. Um, first, let me say I, I need it tonight. You know, I needed to be able to get out here to focus on something other than what's happening in my life. Uh, for mm-hmm. those that don't know, 
uh, my uncle Joey, who has been staying with me for over 40 years, my mother's brother, um, is where we expected him to pass away two days ago. That's what the doctors told us. But he's, you know, he's family. He's, he's stubborn as I am. And he's like, hold on. I ain't going nowhere. I got some things to do. Yet. But, you know, he's holding on by a thread in the hospital. We got the, mach- the machines breathing for him. And uh, that's been my week just dealing with that. We're all praying for Uncle Joey. Uh, he has more cancer in his lungs than he has lungs is the case. Wow. So he's only got a small fraction of his lungs left that are healthy. And that's the case. So there's no cure. There's nothing that can be done short of an absolute miracle. And uh, we're hoping for one of those, but it is what it is. Life happens. Um, as far as the future is concerned, there's a couple things coming up that are pretty cool. Um, on the 14th, I'm going to be in a online panel that's uh, being presented by Decarcerate Louisiana. It's called Abolishing Prison Slavery. Uh, it's a town hall that they're putting together in collaboration with the Promise of Justice Initiative. Some of the speakers will include Reverend Alexis Anderson, and he's the founder and the executive director of PREACH. Uh, Brother Curtis Ray Davis, who's been a guest here, executive director of Decarcerate Louisiana. Eugene Collins, who is the NAACP Baton Rouge uh, Representative Melissa Flournoy, the board chair of Louisiana Progress. Jamelia Johnson, uh, she's the managing attorney at the Promise of Justice Initiative. Initiative. And uh, Maria Harmon, the co-founder of Step Up Louisiana. All wonderful, powerful, beautiful people. And, of course, myself, uh, co-director for state operations for the Abolish Daily National Network. So I'll be attending that on behalf of the ASNN. And then also I was invited to participate in a documentary uh, that they're making in Louisiana about these efforts in modern-day slavery. So that happened November 9th. I'll be out there doing that. And this year, uh, I think it's going – it played this weekend, but the documentary I'm already in uh, regards to the homelessness issues and how it's connected to modern-day slavery has, is being screened uh, across the country. And that's called No Address. Um, I'll get the link for you so you guys can check it out. It's a powerful documentary. So we're getting the word out, man, and, you know, we're educating people here and elsewhere. Um, And although we are ending this season, it won't be the end of Abolition Today. We'll be rebroadcasting some of our favorite programs, considering the times, so that you can continue to listen to us. And around New Year's, Tribal Rain and I uh, will be presenting a musical presentation of the tracks that we played here on Abolition Today. And I think we'll also have one more special where we're putting together some of our most powerful mixes that really capture 2021. We'll do that in December, at the end of December. That really capture 2021 so you can hear them in sequence uh, along with the music and poetry that we put together with it. So we won't be having any more live broadcasts, but we'll still be airing. Yusuf, you might be on mute, Yusuf. Sometimes I forget that I mute myself on my phone instead of on the board. But, you know, it's just still thinking, you know, since all of this kicked off in August of uh, 2020, just seeing how fast everything has just, darted out 
said, you mean we the, uh, launched the Abolish Slavery National Network since right, the official since launch of it. Mm-hmm. And to see where it is now, you know, where, you know, if we, we want to just go back a little bit before then when we had Colorado trying to remove their exception clause, and we know how it first didn't pass because it wasn't written in a, a understandable way into the ballot, but it passed the second time around. And then we ended up getting Nebraska and Utah and just how it's just spreading like wildfire all throughout right. the country that, you know, mainly because since it wasn't spoken of and it's not properly taught in the schools, we're walking around just believing that the 13th Amendment abolished slavery because that's what they've been told. They've told uh, Lincoln freed the slaves and, you know, the Emancipation Proclamation and all of that, blah, 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 blah. There's never been any real in-depth teaching in the schools. And so this is why you have so many adults that are surprised by this. But surprisingly so, I attended a a Zoom conference earlier in the week, and it was about violence towards women. And, you know, I was I was just in the audience. I wasn't part of the panel or anything. And the different women spoke, and they spoke, you know, great. And then a young student got on. She's a law student at uh, City University in New York. And the first words out of her mouth was said, well, we can trace all of this, where the courts ignore violence against women so much to the 13th Amendment. You know she had my attention from right there. You know, young lady that I'm going to, you know, I've already invited her onto the show for next season. You know, we'll collaborate during the break to get her on here. But we think of her and we think of when we had Terry Pete in the one earlier in the season, just these long, young attorneys that are coming out of law schools now where they have in their mindset already that the 13th Amendment is the root cause of many of the things that all the different calls for justice that are going on in the country all over the place, and they all tie into the 13th Amendment. So that was very pleasing to see that. And she had to be no more than 19 or 20 years old, and she already gets it. But you could talk to someone in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, and, you know, they kind of don't get it. You know, so it's just great that we have this new breed coming along. And, in fact, I think that was uh, uh, the track that we had attached to when we had uh, Terry Peden on. It was called New Breed. You know, so the work is spreading. You know, it was just a few of us just a couple of years ago, and now we've reached critical mass, and now the conversation pops up everywhere now. No matter where we go, I'm seeing the conversation popping up. But I'm not going to be worried. We already have callers on the line. Press 1, you know, if you're ready to chime in, uh, Uh, and I'll pass it back to you, Max. Yeah, I did want to make some comments about the opening track uh, as well as something else. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, well, first of all, you know, I smile with pride when you tell me stories like that because, you know, I, I've been preaching this gospel for so long, man. When right. it was, it, it, when I felt like John the Baptist being, you know, the lone voice in the wilderness out there. And now to see it not only nationwide but internationally addressed, uh, right. it, it just, it, I feel good about that. It, it just shows that the application of chaos theory that I've been using really is working. Um, as long as you consistently sure. stay on it, you see it happening. So indirectly or often directly, we have influenced these conversations because we tell the truth. Like the brother said last week on the program, 
He's listening to all these shows, and we're the only ones that make sense. It's a very simple truth, and once you understand it, all the pieces fit together. The questions get answered. It's legalized slavery, and I guard our narrative jealously, like for real. I, we call it slavery and genocide, and we can prove that right here. We've done it on this program uh, over the past two years. So we don't go with the metaphors. We don't go with the synonyms or the comparisons. If you're calling right. it something other than slavery, we're not on the same page. I mean, the Constitution calls it slavery. What is stopping you? Why do you got to say mass incarceration? Why do you need to say hyper-incarceration? Why do you need to say policing for profit, prison for profit, all these different synonyms for slavery? And I understand why. It's because nobody wants to hold anyone else accountable. And I say nobody loosely because we're here doing it, right? But when we say slavery, there's accountability attached to that. Somebody is committing this crime. Uh, And unless you hold them responsible, what's to stop them from doing it? You know, which is mind-blowing. But we have been, like you said, kicking ass and taking names here all year in 2021. It's been a hell of an epic year in the history books. It really has. The accomplishments of the collective that we've put together over these years. I mean, when you say you've changed already, like it's in the pocket, it's done, you've changed three constitutions already. You got nine more lined up, and 21 after that, they're getting their stuff together. And a federal joint resolution? Who else has done that? Yeah, see, it's been a hell of a year, man. I've been so proud to participate with everybody in it. Like you said, we do have a a number of callers. Please press one if you want to participate in the call, in in today's broadcast, uh, if you're hearing us. Because we get people in queue that just sometimes call in to listen and not participate. All right, there we go. We see the hands starting to pop up. All right, so let's start with the first one. Uh, oh man, the board in. just lit up. Uh, I'm glad to <laughs> the see board that. Lit up like, a, like, a, like Christmas lights. <laughs> We're expecting some special friends to roll through. Jamelia Lance says she's coming through. Uh, Pastor Kenneth Gla- uh, Sharpton Glasgow said he is coming through uh, here as well as a few others. So let's go to six two. Eight five six two eight five. Welcome to Abolition Today. Who are we speaking to? Six two eight five. You might want to. Unmute I think that's up. Jeanette. You may be on mute, Jeanette. Oh, I'm sorry. I was listening for the area code. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, for those that yeah. don't know, Jeanette Smith is a team member of Abolition Today. She's the one that gets the uh, post about what we're talking about out live in real time as we're speaking about them. So you don't have to wonder what we're talking about, or if you want to know more details, it's right there for you, including the fabulous music and poetry. Jeanette? Yeah, I'm just wanting to say how proud I am of you guys. You have done so much, and I feel honored to know you both. And all the people that I've met through you guys that are working hard, both behind prison walls and outside, and all the work that you do is just incredible. So if anybody doesn't know that they they are getting, as they said, all this slavery language out of state constitution and trying to get it out of the U.S. Constitution, all while leading busy lives that have been all kinds of things that they've both been through, deaths and tragedies and a 100-year flood that Max and Tribal Rain went through and still doing all of this. Say, I love you guys, and I appreciate what you're doing. 
and anybody who's out there who's not able to do as much as some of these activists, help them out with some money. Uh, support Paul Cussey Abolitionist Center and Abolish Slavery National Network and share as much as you can and get people to vote. That's really important. These guys went to Sacramento, and that's incredible. If you go back on Abolition Today Facebook page and listen to what they had to say, it's fire. And Max's wife, Tribal Rain and Jamelia Land, just incredible, incredible. And I applaud you guys, all of you. Thank you so much, Jeanette. We love you too. Amen. Um, Yeah, and she's one of the few people that actually see the research that goes into this in the forums that we have. I mean, we use multiple, multiple sources. We dig deep. She sees it all. And like 90% of it, you guys never hear. But it's for us to know. You know what I mean? So when we speak, we're speaking right and correct. All right, let's go ahead and pull in our next caller, which will be 7736. 7736. Uh, Welcome to Abolition Today. Who's speaking? 
nine yeah, states. And people are going to want to need, they're going to need to know uh, the truth of things. Uh, and they're going to need to know mm-hmm. it from an academic perspective, not just from the revolutionaries who really lead the way, you know what I mean? What, what, what she calls right. rebel, rebel intellectuals, yes. So yes. but we, they're going to need to hear it in uh, the classrooms and the universities. And to a large degree, they already are, but we're going to make it official. Yeah, it's else? almost too like I've, I've been ahead, saying God. one last thing I'll say. I've been thinking more and more of myself as a librarian, right, as an archivist. So I want people to know in real time what all of y'all are collectively doing, what we, you know, who are in solidarity and will work are also doing, but also for the future generations to know as well. So if you need a librarian, I'm here, okay? Oh, yes, ma'am. That's one of the reasons (laughs) why we do this is so – I've learned a lesson, and the lesson is we never set guards after the alleged abolition occurred. We never set guards to prevent it from happening again that I'm aware of. This time we're going to do that. We're going to make sure that it's being taught what we've done, how we got through it. So the next time this thing rears Mm -hmm. its head, and it will do it again because it's that type of Mm -hmm. a demon that you'll know what to do. You'll know how to recognize it and how to defeat it. We hope so, at least. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, you've got to leave a record because we're following the records of, of Frederick Douglass and uh, of Harry mm-hmm. Tubman and so many others just like them. Mm-hmm. All right. All ancestors are blessings. So yes, be we- well, and I definitely am looking forward to working with you in the new year. Ubuntu. Thank you so much. All right, man. Thank you. Dr. Joy James calling in, uh, showing us some love. Make sure you check out Rebel Intellectuals from 2021 with Dr. James. Yes, June 27th. Right, June 27th. Right, exactly. She's a multi-published author and speaker um, who is well-versed on the issue, and as she said, in real time, tries to make sure that she's spreading the news uh, to those who need to know. Uh, and I'm grateful to have her in our, in my life, period, but in this fight. All right, man. So, yeah, I'm a little fired up. Let me see if we got another caller here. We sure do. Um, 4711, you are here with us on Abolition Today. Max, Yusuf. <laughs> Sister Jamelia. Hey, Sister Jamelia. Hey, family. How are you guys doing? I'm I'm sitting we're here good, smelling good. some some good food because of you. Jamelia's like, Max, right. I'm worried about you. I'm a, you eat today? You ain't. I'm gonna send you some food. And damn, she didn't send me some food from Sacramento. <laughs> man, I love you, Max. You know what I'm saying? Like we need you around here, man. The future man. is bleak without you. You uh, yeah. you know, like like Dr. Joy, you know, um, saying that you know she sees herself like a librarian. You know, I see you as just this, I don't even know if I can put it in words, Max, like, you're just this walking ball of knowledge, you know, um, and you have made this your life's passion, and you're so full of knowledge and wisdom that, you know, I think people would be foolish. In fact, I know it, people would be foolish if they didn't stop and take the time to listen to the wisdom that you have to share and impart upon them. And like Dr. Joy said, you know, be able to take that and pass it on to the future generations. And so I can't, you know, I can't say what other folks are going to do, 
but I'm going to soak it up. And I'm going to make sure that I, I get it all so I can pass it on to your nieces and whoever else comes on down the line, you know, because, like you said, this, this ugly, nasty beast will wear a teddy bear. Um, and they have to be equipped with the tools to be able to know how to slay these dragons. And so I just, I thank you so much, and Brother Yusuf, for all that you all do for all of us, you know what I mean? Because a lot of times people don't see what goes on behind closed doors. They don't know the tears, they don't know the suffering, they don't know the pain, they don't know the death threats, they don't know the being followed by the police, they don't know right. the having your shit passed, you know what I'm saying? They right, don't understand right. having having emails disappear, hard drive, all your stuff gone. People don't understand that. Um, but yet you still show up knowing that every single day you are literally putting your life on the line for people that you don't even know. And that is commendable and respectable. Well, and so, it, it you know, I try to bear with my hands over you. It takes one to know oh, one. You know, I remember absolutely. when they literally put a hit on your life for what you're doing. Um, Jamil, uh, there, there was literally a hit mm-hmm. contract to kill you. Um, and that's something that people don't know. But I knew it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I man, know the it's risk. been crazy, Max. It's been crazy, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I thank you guys just so much, you know, and and um, I, I just want you to know, you know, that I'm here. I'm, I'm holding you all um, with all of my love and just thank you for what you do, for what you do well, for the people, for, yeah. for the generations that are to come that don't even know you. We appreciate you, Jamaica. We, we, love we you appreciate you. Any um, uh, sure updates you want to give us? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Max. So I would just comment in that for listeners. Make sure you check out the ep- two episodes that we had. As a matter of fact, our season finale last year was Jamelia as our guest. So you can check Absolutely. that out as well as the Dang, it's been a year. Yes. Yes, that's has. right. <laughs> what happened to the time? We completed yeah. another season. Another uh, season. Any updates you want to uh, give us on uh, ACA3 out in California? And also, oh, I, I just so, think I read something about a pending, re, another recall that they're trying to do out there. Well, you know, California with our progressive liberal self and that lie we like to tell folks, we're always up to some shenanigans. So, yeah, there's some other recall stuff going on, but that's not my main focus right now. Um, my main focus is ending legalized slavery in the state of California. <laughs> right. Um, because while my husband, my son, and my nephews are still on the plantation, um, you know, I, I have I have a problem. But some of the, the updates for um, ACA3, we are still moving forward. Um, we're looking really good to be on the 2022 ballot. Uh, we will resume sessions come January. So between now and January, we're just doing a lot of ground and grunt work. Um we recently, this past Friday, we have launched our weekly activist training. Um, one of our coalition members is an organization called Edify. I'd like to give a huge shout-out to Edify. Um, Edify was founded by uh, Polly Jackson and his brother, Jacob Blake, whom you all are familiar with his case. He was, he was shot by a Kenosha police officer last year. Um, and they have started. They have started a, a not-for-profit organization called Edify, where they've teamed up with the 
NBA, WNBA, and several other professional athletic teams, um, and we've all partnered, and we have now recently launched um, activist trainings. So every Friday at 12.30 Pacific Standard Time, we will have a half-hour activist training um, where we are training professional athletes, grassroots activists, or everyday people on how to help us end legalized slavery, not just here in the state of California, but also throughout the country. And so um, we have, you know, we have uh, Justin Jackson from the um, Chargers who's going to be coming on as a special guest. We've got several other um, athletes that are going to be joining us. And so we're going to be running this every week, like I said, every Friday at 1230 until we get to November and we hit that ballot box. Yes, sir. We have got to get to that ballot box. Uh, You know, a lot of our people don't participate in the voting process because they've lost all faith in the candidates that keep getting presented to them. You know, um, for instance, we all know that can't find a black governor anywhere, (laughs) you know, so they keep pigeonholing us with two bad choices and many choose nothing at all. Well, we're going to give you right. a reason. Well, I have to say, I, I chose nothing at all this go-round because Larry Elder was not getting in that house. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we're giving you a cause, a reason to exercise the power that you have. There's a reason they don't want you to vote. And, you know, if, if we can give you something to vote for rather than someone, maybe you can go out and help us end slavery that way. Man, Brother Max, if I could interject real quick, because you just said something very profound, and I would like to just tap in and throw this out to He's known for doing that. Isn't he? He's notorious. I love it. He's been maximized. (laughs) But, you know, when when we talk about voting and we talk about candidates and we talk about legislation, like, you know, what we're doing around the country to end legalized slavery, Um, one of the votes that I really want to stress that most of us don't even stop and think about that I really, really need people to hear me and hear me loud on this, folks. One of the most important votes you can ever cast is as a juror. Too many of us dodge jury duty. Right. But, we are not being judged by a jury of our peers because we're not showing up to be in that box so that we can stop sending our people unfairly to these plantations. So if you don't want to vote for a candidate, I can understand that. If you don't want to vote on legislation, I understand that. But every last one of us knows someone at some point in time who has gone through the court system and has been screwed over by a jury. So I need my people this year, stop dodging jury duty because there's someone's life that you will be able to cast a vote on that may make the difference between whether or not they go to prison like my son and sentenced to three consecutive life sentences for a crime that he did not commit. I need us to stand up, folks, and go um, start voting. I'm with you folks. on that, but it, it's not necessarily all on us about that. Uh, and I say that because no, it's not. One, for instance, I've been in South Carolina for 21 years, and I've yet to receive uh, a jury letter to be on, on a jury. 
in 21 years. When was the last what? time you were? Yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> right? I, I've never received it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also there's the issue of mm-hmm. prosecu- prosecutors who basically remove black people from the jury pool on purpose mm-hmm. so that they have predominantly mm-hmm. white juries. Uh, so for those of us that try, we still got more barriers to go through, like being chosen first and then being chosen second. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. we do need to get out there and make a difference. But I do know people are scared to go to the to the basic what is the like a slavery processing plant. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to go in there. Right. You know, that we're afraid of those locations. You know, we don't want anything to do with them because we feel like we walk in and they'll be like, "Hey, there's a warrant for your arrest." <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I understand that. Too, and and, and unfortunately, unfortunately, it's it's a part of that's a part of what they play on with us too, right? Is that we have been so psychologically indoctrinated, yep, uh, rightfully so, that we operate from a place of fear. It's the damned if I do, damned if I don't. So I'm just not, you know. So how do we break down those barriers? But that's a whole other conversation. Yes, it is. It is. I, I think what we're doing right now by ending slavery is the key to all of this because the crooked courts and the uh, 95% plea bargains, the 95% white prosecutorial pool, all of that's going to be affected by uh, ending legalized slavery uh, and, and holding people accountable. So, you know, 10 years from now, it's not going to look like it did today, and I believe it will be for the better if we don't destroy the world first. <laughs> I love that. that. Uh, 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 Land, for those who don't know, is uh, she's co-author of ACA3, uh, being championed now by Sydney, Senator Sydney Kamlager. Uh The other uh, author is her husband, Samuel Brown, who should be joining us next month in Freedom Land with the, with the free folk. Uh, who He has yeah. been behind enemy lines for a couple of decades now. While Bear has earned himself master's degree uh, and, uh, you know, become an author and a spokesperson, all kinds of different things. He's a powerful brother. We're looking forward to working with him. Uh, very soon. Absolutely. And Jamelia is also one of the lead, uh, one of the lead, on the leadership team for the March On Foundation. Uh, March On Foundation is a huge organization uh, that organized like the Women's Rally uh, and, and other events. And just March On for Your Votes all across America just recently that included the King family and many others. So Jamelia is a powerhouse, man. I'm glad you got my back. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right. Let's go ahead and bring in a couple of more callers in uh, 4589. You are here with us on Abolition Today. This is probably Lonzo. Yeah. Lonzo, what's up with y'all, brother? Yeah, that's me. What's up with you, brother? Brother Lonzo, calling in live from the plantation. Okay, let let me introduce you properly, brother. So this oh, is right. Brother Alonzo. He's currently incarcerated at the last slavery plantation, as they call it, Louisiana State Prison. Uh, he was sentenced under the race, the racially motivated uh, Jim Crow law, where they allowed non-unanimous juries. So he was sentenced under 10-2. The U.S. Supreme Court just recently ruled that it was unconstitutional, but basically there's nothing they can do about it. So Alonzo is a living monument to Jim Crow laws. There are about 1,500 people in Louisiana that are serving under that 
under that 10-2 uh, Jim Crow law. So, Brother Alonzo, welcome back to the show. Glad to hear from you because we haven't heard from you in a while. Yes, man. Uh, this is always a privilege to reach out to your brothers. Uh, like you say, this uh, very, very uh, dire stray of a situation that we're in in Louisiana State Penitentiary, as you better known, like you say, uh, last slave plantation. But uh, things are moving pretty uh, rapidly right now. And now we uh, we just got uh, Shreveport. Uh, I believe uh, uh, Shreveport is on board doing the same thing Jason Williams doing. Jason Williams is the DA out of Orleans Parish who's applying a retroactivity for his uh, policy-wise, district attorney policy-wise, and uh, he's running on a transformation uh, platform where he's basically uh, changing laws through, uh, through, through policy rather than through legislation. And uh, that's one of the things that I think uh, Jamila uh, spoke on uh, a little earlier or not, that, that we got to start putting people in place that, uh, that, could dis- that, that could basically change things based on policies uh, rather than uh, laws. Oh, I didn't realize I was muted. Yeah, that's that's a great update, Alonzo. How... Uh, how are the brothers doing as far as, especially those well, that are sentenced under 10-2? Uh, do you all have any pending lawsuits? Uh, right. Any, yeah. any cases still uh, in the pipeline? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I said, man, we're we, we in uh, we're in round two, around three of this phase and whatnot. And uh, like you say, right now, uh, the sheriff association, the district attorney association, uh, they're 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 uh, somewhat coming to the table. But they're still fighting, but they're coming to the table where they're going to create an exception where they uh, basically they don't want to open in 10-2, meaning if you did 10-2, they don't want you just to automatically get a reversal. Uh, they're trying to uh, phrase it in, in terms of if you have a, uh, innocence, which your case or whatnot, do you have any evidence of your innocence or whatnot? So those are the circumstances that they're trying to carve out the exception. But uh, like you said, we're, not, we're getting a few parishes to get on board. Uh, so we probably, uh, right now we got uh, uh, 63 parishes, and uh, out of 63, we got three or whatnot. So uh, that's pretty good. This is yes, Jamelia. I have a quick question for you, brother. Is St. Helena Parish one of those? Uh, no, the, the parishes that I got is Calcutta Parish, uh, Orleans, and uh, we got uh, uh, in Shreveport. So those are the three parish, uh, and it was pretty awesome because one of the judges in Calcutta Parish declared it unconstitutional from a district, from a from a parish wise. So that's that's pretty uh, amazing because uh, Louisiana state constitutional said that it should not discriminate against a person based on race, gender, or creed. So uh, it's it's not even up for debate anymore. Uh, basically. The, what we're arguing that it's a civil rights violation, and any civil rights violation automatically has retroactivity. So uh, we we working with uh some, we're working with a brother right now. He's filing for a preliminary injunction and a declaratory judgment against the, uh, the United States to, uh, to to force them to apply the retroactivity as it as it relates to the ten two jury scheme. Power concedes nothing without demand. It never has, and it never will. Like you said, Oh, Jamila, we got. I got to reach back out to you too, uh, sister. I think I, I lost contact. Uh, when I, when I, I was just about I, to I, tell I, you before <laughs> you got off the line, hit me. Word. All right. Uh, just uh, just uh, you could just give our sign 
one of them your your your, your info or whatnot, and I and I reach out to you through that. I'm I'm sending it to gotcha. you right now, and yeah, I'll send it oh. to you right now. All right, no doubt. Man. I said, uh, yeah, we we got but, your back oh, in California, brother. We got your back. Man, we need to man, show man, up. Heard, man, 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 we, we were just on six. We was just on sixty minutes, so that's that's as a sixty a sixty minutes could cover us or whatnot. So that means we got to be talking about something. <laughs> that's right. Amen. That's uh, right. Gotcha. So, uh, oh, oh, Jamila, I I I uh, I heard you mention something about you working with the NFL players. I think we got a. Uh, we got one of the brothers down here that we're that we're working with a linebacker uh, for the Saints or whatnot. So uh, what we wanted what we wanted to try to do we wanted to somewhat introduce them to uh, Louisiana non unanimous uh, Jim Crow jury scheme. So if there's any type of way that that, that we could uh, interact, because the month of November I want to end with this: the month of November will be the month that we're working on uh, Rebecca L. Hensley legacy. So uh, we're gonna celebrate under change seeking, which is a word she coined every day in the month of November. So uh, what we want to do, we want to uh, just get all the affiliates, anybody to uh, promote it. Uh, we got the Promise Justice Initiative, Decarcerate Louisiana, and uh, we just want to uplift the work that she did because she was instrumental in the struggle or not. And you can I'm check her out on one of, one of our episodes here in Abolition Today when we had both of you on the line. No doubt. Yeah, right. I just yeah. want to give a heads up. 0087, I see you. We're going to bring you in right after we're... Uh, uh, you'll be on next, okay? So hold on. Um, yeah. No doubt. Uh, wh- anything, well, anything, you know, I know they got, got some more callers uh, want to call in or whatnot. Anything y'all got to ask about the brothers or whatnot. But they're holding on or whatnot. Like I said, uh, we got uh, one of the things to update or whatnot. Uh, Angola has a, 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 a lot of brothers are dying. So that's probably uh, new news to everybody or whatnot. They are with the... Uh, Synthetic drugs or whatnot, that's that's running rapidly or whatnot, and uh, so uh, we're just trying to cope with that or whatnot and keep these brothers' heads straight and let them know that freedom, uh, that freedom is on the way, but we got to demand it and we got to act like we want freedom. That's right, and uh, we're right. all on the same page. Like you said, he's a living monument uh, to Jim Crow, and what is Jim Crow? Laws that criminalize black life so that they could put them in prisons, lease them out to private companies and laborers. Nowadays, they just warehouse bodies. So all across Louisiana, which has uh, many times been the prison capital of the world, uh, they have these little, right, they have these sheriffs who are like little kings filling up their little kings' dungeons with nothing but black people, basically, in order to make their money. It's a damn shame. And, and that's what the ten two jury scheme was created on in uh eighteen ninety eight and it's been done the same way. And like a lot of times we, we uh we the sheriff association and all of these associations, we uh we, we forget uh the origin of them or whatnot and that keeps us blindsided, but there's still a Ku Klux Klan and everything in between. That's right, especially deep dark Absolutely. south where you're at. All right, let's go ahead and bring a. Uh, 87 in. Um, thank let me, you so let, me, much. let me bring, let me, let me bring her, let me bring her in properly, Max. All right. Uh, um, I'll mute it. You do the rest. So 0087, our next guest was, uh, she was actually a guest co-host of ours on March 14th. Uh, she is the great, great grandniece of Harriet Tubman. Her name is Ernestine Tina Wyatt. Welcome back to this program, 
Miss Tina. Tina Wyatt? Oh, man. Tina Wyatt. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Hey, <laughs> you Hi, Max. I had um, you know, too long, man. This is a nice surprise. Well, now I, you know, I sent you a text, Max, back in June when, uh, when, when uh, the big event happened for Aunt Harriet. Um, I didn't know if you got it or not, but now I think I sent you some oh, pictures man. too. But I, I um, don't even think I seen it. It probably got lost in the pile. I got. I'm no. sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, you know, you're in my prayers. You and your family. Um, Max, uh, for what you're going you. through right now. Um, you know, uh, I'm telling you, uh, when you talk about not many of us knowing that uh, about the 13th Amendment and the exceptions clause, um, you know, I was one of those folks uh, when 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 I when I first was started talking to you, and it's I read it but didn't read it. You know, so mm. it's like, you know, you read things and you read over them, and you really don't give a lot of thought to what it's really saying to you. But, um, you know, I really commend you, Rain and Yousef and, 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 and your network and everybody for educating people because there are, I'm telling you, there are so many people that don't know, so many people that have done the same thing that I did. Um, and a lot of other people in, in not really understanding or knowing about that. And whenever I've been, like when I went down in June uh, to receive Aunt Harriet's uh, certificate and her recognition for being a spy and a scout in the Union Army, uh, when I went down for that and her, she received her medal and her certificate, um, and I had to speak. Um, I did talk about that. I talked about mm. the um, the exceptions clause. Um, so, you know, and wow. then even in the interview I did, I, I always try to bring it in as much as I can um, so that other people really know and understand um, what is what is going on and what we need to uh, pay attention to. Um, but, um, you know, so much is, is happening. You know, the the climate that Aunt Harriet was in, uh, I think we're in that same climate right now um, that was prior to the Civil War. And um, and there's yeah. so much that we have to really fight for and do. And, and right now, if she were alive, she would be on the front lines doing this as well. Um, but you know that um, in her state where she where she lived, um, you have uh, her property and things like that, uh, and you know they want they always want to name things after people in honor of them and things like that. But um, uh, it's, it's 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 gotten to the point now in that in that town, from what I understand, where they are calling her a criminal um, because. Wow. She tried to, uh, she, you know, sought self-liberation and liberated others. Well, I mean, you have William Stewart there, and he has many songs named after him in his honor mm-hmm. and institutions and everything. But but uh, are they take are they removing his name? 
to have her not. name on, to have her name on buildings and schools uh, and things like that anywhere everywhere it's a reminder of what she fought for that that she was an abolitionist that she was a political activist and she was doing the same thing uh, 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 to fight for uh, the end of slavery um, so. Uh, for that to be happening still, even now, and then, I mean, I just it just floored me when I heard that term uh, that they perceived her as a criminal uh, because she self liberated herself and others. So, um, well, I don't know. You, you have sufficiently blown my mind. First of all, um, you know, it is a reminder of where we're heading with this thing. You, as a descendant of Harriet Tubman who is now a slavery abolitionist, saying that if Harriet were here, she'd be down with Max and Yusuf and Jamelia and A.S. and him, because uh, she would, you know? And the same right. thing for Brother uh, Kenneth B. Morris, who is a descendant of Frederick Douglass. He was also one of our guests here and is also a slavery abolitionist uh, working towards ending this day. And to know you two, steps of your ancestors, makes me proud. And to know that I had something to do with that is... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I need to be home. <laughs> yeah. That's beautiful. It's, it's, That's God's it's, it's, work. It's, a, it's an honor. To, it's, honor, it's an honor to have met you, Max. Uh, really uh, has. Especially and, you know, continue, continue your work, you and you, Seth, and, and all the Thank rest you. of you, Jamelia, and, um, and everybody else, continue it. Um, because there's so much that has to be done. Um Amen. Because they're trying to turn us back, you know, and if they could, they would. If they so, could, they would. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling in, Tina. Please hang on if you've got time and enjoy the rest of the program with us. If you want to chime in at any time, just say so, uh, and we'll bring you back in. Um, what I want to do, I think this is the perfect time to play some music, because you know we're known for that, right, Tina? <laughs> that yeah, music, yeah. Boy, we've been playing it. <laughs> With your oh, show, yeah. too, make sure you check out the episode with Tina Wyatt, man. We really broke it down with some songs dedicated to Sister Tubman and to the work that's being carried on today. Uh, but you just mentioned about how these fools are acting, you know. And we've got a clip mm-hmm. uh, from a recent, I guess it was a town hall meeting where mm-hmm. this man, I don't know his name. He looked at me like he's former military or present military or a cop or something like that. But uh, he's a, he asked Charlie Clerk, Charlie Kirk a question. Charlie Kirk is a radio talk show host, very popular among conservatives, and he is mm-hmm. also, from what I see, a racist. I mean, one of the things he's recently said is if American Airlines wants their airline back, they need to revoke the vaccine mandate. Until then, expect delays, mm. cancellations, and chaos. That's what he said about mm. what they're doing to the airline, billion-dollar airlines. Mm. But just a, a year ago, they was talking about throwing black people in jail for economic terrorism because they were boycotting businesses or shutting down highways. So it's mm-hmm. very hypocritical mm-hmm. and racist. I mean, you can do it, and it's okay. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. we do it, and we're economic terrorists, right? <laughs> and, and, and then they the were they even wrote laws, Tina, that allowed them to mow us down in the streets and get away with it. So I, mm-hmm. I've got a clip of that question being asked. you got to hear this. And it's followed by the legendary Watts 
prophets with a poem called You Today, Me Tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. If you're listening, you are listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We've got some wonderful people on the line with us. We're going to go into this track, and we'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Today. Hey, for what you say and the fact that you stand up there and say it, and I appreciate it. I think we all appreciate it, actually, because there's not a lot of people that have the balls to do it. But I want to ask you something a little bit out of the ordinary. So, prepare yourself. <laughs> At this point, we're living under corporate and medical fascism. This is tyranny. When do we get to use when the do gun? we get when to use the gun? No, and, I, and, I, and I'm not. That's not a joke. I'm not saying it like that. I mean, literally, where's the line? How many elections are they going to steal before we kill these people? So, well, no, I, 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 no, hold on. I, I'm, no, stop. No, 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 Charlie. Why are you stopping him? You radicalized him, Charlie. You and your cronies, your crew, your people, your movement, they are radicalized by your indoctrination. Don't act as if now you get to moralize on your followers. They are simply returning to you what you have fed them, Charlie. If this is not an awakening for you and your soul, young man, If this is not a moment where you realize, what in the hell have I done? More things are going to come, unfortunately. And you being at a Talking Points USA rally saying, no, 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 stop, don't say that, won't change it. Because if you continue to feed the machine that creates and radicalizes these individuals to say that they want to kill other Americans, You are part of the problem, brother. You're not part of the solution whatsoever. Uh, Charlie Kirk tried to quickly denounce it, convince the man that uh, he was playing into provocation on the left. No, brother. He's playing into provocation on the right. Me today. You tomorrow. You are Tara. No sorrow. Me today.
Yet you didn't do or say a thing Me today You tomorrow Cause when a ship is sinking Going down It makes no difference if you captain on the top deck Going down You do Shortly Don't get wet These aren't human beings. This is property, 
and an owner can do what he wants to do with this property, and therefore he can, he won't be charged for this. And we also played a clip from uh, Dr. Joy DeGry, who's known for her uh, post-traumatic slave syndrome series that she's put out her book and her lecture series. And we learned that the Casual Killing Act was really created to cover the plantation owner's wife because the wife was the one who was killing the children that worked in the house out of like a fit of rage. It started there because when it comes to corporal punishment on the plantation, it's not in the owner's best interest to kill them because that's his labor right there. And it's not like convict leasing where, as uh, Douglas Blackman wrote the great book about, uh, was no, it's Mancini that wrote the book, One Dies, Get Another, you know, on convict leasing. So a uh, lot of information there. You can pick up these books. One is called Convict Leasing, One Dies, Get Another. The other one is called... Uh, what is Douglas Blackman's book, Max? I forgot. Slavery the title by of another book. name. Slavery by another name. It's also a documentary that's out there. You know, we mentioned these as the documentaries that we recommend. Seeing uh, Ava DuVernay's Thirteenth, Douglas Blackman's Slavery by Another Name, and also Do Not Resist. But you know, more and more we hear this, it doesn't surprise me hearing these type of comments out there. Um. I want to share some commentary on what we heard, but here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to open your line back up, Jamelia. Uh, I see you 5339. We're going to bring you in right after I make these comments. Uh, stay on the line with us, all of our callers 5339 is a special caller, very special all right. caller. All right. Um, so stay on the line with us. Uh, mute yourself if you have some background noise, and if you want to join in the conversation, just go ahead and join in. You're all family and friends. Uh, what I want to say is, first of all, that Charlie Kirk, as the, the brothers from uh, Indisputable, uh, Dr. Richie, mm-hmm. uh said, he has assisted in radicalizing these people who are now openly asking for public executions by citizens, uh, killing other Americans, right? And the people he's influencing is not just that man, it's the police in Minnesota who are out hunting people. Uh, as they said, you know, it's such a refreshing change. We don't have to chase people around no more. People who actually committed a crime, we get to go out and hunt anybody now. And that's exactly what they did. And you're influencing them, uh, creating these murderers, right? But let right. a black man write a, do a CD where he talks about a crime in the CD, and you're going to throw his ass under the jail, right? That's how it works, right? We've seen that happen where rap artists went to prison for the lyrics in their songs. But you can openly, in public, on national television, ask to murder people and get permission. You need permission. So you ask him, Charlie Kirk, when do we start killing them? When is enough is enough based on the lies we've heard? When can we murder Americans? This is what we're dealing with right now here today. And, you know, I've been preaching this gospel forever back when, um, what's his name, Uh, Don Lemon was talking about a post-racist America. I was telling everybody half of these white people here are freaking racist. Maybe more. Not much different than it was in the civil war, uh, during the Civil War. 
It's about the same thing, and many of them are just as adamant about wanting you dead or in prison or gone as they was then, and you can't change your mind. And they were talking post-racial at that point. But here we are, and here is the facts and the truth right in front of you. Uh, we can't allow these people to run our country. That's right. In fact, Max, we even have stats to back that up. All we have to do is look at the statistics from the voting polls when it was 74 million voters to say remove well i was going to say remove slavery from your constitution and nebraska 30 percent of the populace still voted to keep slavery in their constitution i believe i believe it was 26 percent in utah that voted to keep it it in their constitution 16 percent in utah they had an overwhelming positive vote but still 16 percent voted to keep slavery legal we heard uh, and it's on this program. You can see it in our archives. Uh, the senators in Louisiana argued for slavery, argued publicly on the Senate floor, and in and Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah, and mm-hmm. in Tennessee, in two states, they argued to keep slavery. It's real, and they know what it is. We cause so many problems that when we finally announce our uh, federal resolution to end slavery in the federal constitution to Accounted the 13th Amendment, they suddenly made Juneteenth a holiday on the same day. Like, out of nowhere, you know, we got to stop these Negroes. They ain't playing, like we said in our last show, right? <laughs> Negroes ain't playing. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we got to stop them somehow. What do we do? And out of nowhere, Juneteenth, which celebrates the last people to be informed that what? Slavery ended. That's the holiday we got now. Remembering the last people to be informed that slavery ended. And it was put out on the same day we announced that slavery has not ended. And we're here to do it right now with this legislation. Yeah, we caused some problems, man. <laughs> and I, I even saw, right. I remember Jamelia, you might want to chime in on this one. Uh, I know that the White House knew what we were doing. I know the Vice President knew. I know that the Speaker of the House knew what we were doing because we were in communication with them about it through Senator Merkley's office uh, about exactly. this particular I- issue. Uh, so for them to pretend they didn't know would be a fallacy. Uh, I'm but that's how America operates. Yes. Yeah, that's how America operates. Like we're in contact with the vice president's office. Kamala Harris knows about this, and we've talked with her, right? That was you telling me that. <laughs> Excuse me. I don't mean to spill the beans, so that, but it's our season it's, finale. i got to drop a few jewels. It's not, you're good. <laughs> See, it's the, the, the reality of it is nothing, nothing happens um, without the powers that be knowing. And like always, you know, that was another example of how they just throw out something uh, to appease the people so that people don't realize this is seriously an issue. Oh California, God, in California, in California, People don't realize that slavery is still legalized through our carceral system. Um, and so when you start talking about these types of things, it doesn't go flying under the radar. They know exactly what's going on, but they play on the ignorance of the everyday average person, or so what they believe to be the ignorance of the everyday average person. Because, you know, Juneteenth comes around, people are running around talking about we free, but we're not. <laughs> Um, and so, right. you know, like, like the word says, our people perish for a lack of knowledge, and we are literally dying out here because of the things that we don't know. You know, people used to say, that which you don't know won't hurt you. That is a lie, because just because you don't know it 
doesn't mean somebody else doesn't, and they're not using it to weaponize against you. And that's what things like Juneteenth was. It was a way to uh, divide the people once again. So, you know, you have all these people talking about, you know, Juneteenth and we're free and, and all of these great things, and it's a celebratory moment. But for people like my husband who was incarcerated on Juneteenth being slammed down on the ground and me put in his back and about to be chomped out, he didn't feel free because he's not. You know, they know what's going on. Um, but you play dumb games and you get dumb prizes. So we've got a prize That's right. You know, I wish uh, Brother Alonzo was here because I want to ask him, and I'm pretty sure I already know the answer. Did you get the day off in prison on Juneteenth? Do, do, <laughs> do you have a Juneteenth celebration over there in Angola? I really doubt it, <laughs> you know? Right. If anything, they might mock you. The guards might mock you, you know. Here's an extra biscuit, you freak. <laughs> you exactly. Know? Right. So yeah, man. All right. Well, let's bring in our next special uh, caller, Yusuf. You said you wanted to ask. Sure. Uh, so uh, five three nine nine. You're live on the air with Abolition Today with Max Parthis and Yusuf Hassan. Max, this uh, lady is so special to me that I sometimes call her mom because she is my mother. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, can you hear me? Yes, Yes, I hear you. Oh, okay, good. Hi. Um, I just wanted to call in briefly just to let you know how much I enjoy your show and um, a lot of things have opened my eyes that I didn't know. I was very naive to a lot of things and time I go out, you know, it makes me more aware and everything, and I try to behave as much as possible, but it's really not about behavior because you don't have to be doing anything and wind up in big trouble, you know, and your life, your so-called free life snatched away from you. But um, I just want to thank you guys for what you do. You're doing um, a fantastic job, and it's improving things um, out here in society, and keep up your good work. Oh, Man, you're just saying that, Ma. I, I couldn't ask for a better <laughs> gift than that. When you're doing something that oh, your mother's proud you. of, you know what I mean? I, right. I mean, proud. I really that is right. what we we should all aspire to do, to do something that our mothers are proud of. Um, that's yeah. right. wonderful. Thank you so much, Mom. Oh, you're quite welcome. I'm looking forward to all your future shows, and I've been passing on the word about your show. Woo. Yes, that. she has. She really has. <laughs> hey, that's Thank how we you. all should do it. That's how we get the word out because mainstream media ain't going to call up Max and say, hey, Max, I want you on with Don Lemon so we could talk about this slavery thing. That's not going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? The only way you're going to learn is the word of mouth from people like us, independent media who are willing to take the risks involved to get these things out. And, you know, if you can share the word and spread it like Tina said, when she speaks on behalf of Harriet Tubman at these events, she brings in the 13th Amendment now. Uh, that That's how it's got to be done. Um, I've, I've learned that lesson, that mainstream media is not our friends. They are against us because many of the corporations that sponsor mainstream media are also heavily invested in for-profit prison industries, not to mention they're right. run by racist white supremacists. So, yes, thank you so much. Everybody listening should be sharing this show right now. Um, Right now. Right now. 
So amen to that. You know, the doctor yeah. told us Uncle Joey wasn't going to make it to hear this show. But he, he's alive, kicking and listening, and I'm hoping Uncle Joey's proud, too. I know he is. He said it. He told me, uh, I said, you know, do you have any last words that you want to leave for me, any wisdom or advice? He said, finish what you started. And uh, that was a kick in the butt for me. So, yeah, we're going to finish what we started. Uh, we're not going to be done with this until slavery's over or I'm dead. That's it. <laughs> That's how, the, how it works. All right. Uh, we got a couple more callers in. Uh, let's start bringing them in. Uh, six, five, four, three. You are here with us on Abolition this, today. This, 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 is, this is our brother right here. This is peace, our brother. Peace. peace, peace. Oh, Sebo, what's happening, man? Yes, sir. Brother Dennis Sebo, um, Goody family, um, Amend the Thirteenth, and the Critical Messenger Organization, as well as Wazabara Insights, uh, Warrior Insights. Uh, he's been a guest. Yeah. Check out him in our archives as well. Uh, this brother is a powerhouse in New Jersey, uh, and he's. Initiating, I mean, he started this ball rolling. We didn't even know it was possible till he came along. That not only can you remove pro-slavery language from the Constitution, you can insert anti-slavery language when there's nothing there. <laughs> so, what's up, Dennis? Peace, fam. Yeah, man, we're here. We still got two months left to make it happen in New Jersey, but hopefully the grace of the universe it'll happen and uh, we'll hit the ballot in New Jersey to add uh, what would say slavery and involuntary servitude are illegal including as a punishment for a crime in the state of New Jersey be the first time they've changed the constitution since I believe 1885 or something like that Uh, talk about an epic effort that is bearing fruit you're only two hearings away as you said uh, we got another five weeks Basically, before uh, the next hearing is up, right? Yes. Man. Um, any words you want to add to the conversation here in regards to uh, Abolition Today and efforts we've made throughout the year? Because you've been a big part of it. You've been on like five of our programs. We've really fleshed out a lot of things together. And you're one of the founding core members of the Abolish Slavery National Network. Um, which has been behind a lot of this work, in addition to being the lead organizer of Amendment 13. Yeah, man, I think it's crazy because when I started, I felt by myself, you know what I mean? And and I didn't know that that many more people knew, and it, it, it was more like a conspiracy theory. Uh, than alluded to facts and the actual impact of what uh, what justice and what the world would look like with slavery being per, you know completely illegal. So from then, and I've you know I've been at it for like three to four years now of campaigning, starting at Hudson County Corrections where I run uh, my cultural and social conscious education programming. Um, that there we made the agreement to show the world that brothers and sisters from the inside could have just as much as an, of an impact. And I think it's great to come back full circle and go back to the jail and them ask me what's going on, what's going on. And I'm like, you guys, the whole country, the whole country, there's a federal bill from where we started, which was like this really small idea and a discussion. Um, and to then link up with you guys, and you can be consistent about your work, consistent about your 
passion towards ending what you know to be one of the biggest uh, forms of inhumanity that we have on this earth, and that it is still tied to these these, these semblances of, of old school white supremacist, racist, like trying to live out fantasies. Um, but then again, those of us that know our history know why, and we know why the system is acting the way it is, is because it's coming down little by little, you know. And anything that's going to go down, especially this kind of system, is going down with a fight. Doesn't go down without a fight. We're going to tear your kingdom down. Yep. Yes, sir, yes, sir. And, uh, you know, it's crazy that we started the Credible Messenger Movement here in Jersey uh, that I've been directing for Hudson County, so now it's a pretty well-funded program. And, you know, one of my biggest goals is how this is a, this these concepts apply to our children. And I've been enough of these juvies, and I've worked with enough. I'm telling you, I've worked with hundreds of kids on my own, besides having a whole team that does it to know the impact, to see it firsthand over and over and over again. And then working on the adult side and seeing them come in there over and over and over again. I see it with my own eyes. So for me, I'm passionate about it because I go when I go where I go, I'm always seeing it. And I know it's hard for people to ingrain this into their own understanding because they may not be directly associated. But like we all say, you're the wrong, getting pulled over by the wrong cop and facing the wrong judge and the wrong prosecutor any day. Any one of mm-hmm. us can, be, can have our freedom taken from us, right? And it takes for those of us to continue to fight. So I really appreciate that you guys are so consistent and you're constantly educating the public. I think your show is amazing. You guys should keep rocking on. And I'm always keep the legacy going no matter what. And hopefully the next generation keeps it going no matter what until this uh, what we call ugly thing of slavery is over. Amen to that, brother. You are a, a national treasure. You know, I, I, I tend to you know recall how I got involved in the Abolish Slavery National Network as a direct result of you. And the same for Yusuf, too, as a matter of fact. You snuck right. me in. <laughs> <laughs> like Dennis snuck me into the meeting. And snuck uh, you in and then you snuck and me I, in. <laughs> yeah, I snuck you in, yeah, exactly. He's like, yo, Max, I heard about you and, you know, you should join this meeting that we're having about this slavery thing. And I'm like, oh, hell to the yeah. <laughs> and so I, we rolled up in there and uh, that was the beginning of it all right there with the founding members coming together. It's not all the same people today as it was when we first began, you know. But the movement is still going on. And that was the idea, not to build a place where the same people would be forever, but to build an institution to make change. And we build an institution on a national level. We built an institution statewide across multiple states, like you just talked about with Credible Messengers that are abolitionist institution and the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center and many others. And we've even uh, reached out to international assistance. Just recently, the... Uh, tribunal has rendered their verdict in the indictment of the United States from in the spirit of Mandela tribunal and found them guilty on all counts of genocide and slavery and testify uh, by professional witnesses and people who had firsthand experience uh, powerful testimonies that you should definitely check out uh, so you know that and then we've also branched out to the United Nations speaking with heads of states 
uh, our guest here not too long ago was the Queen Mother of Benin. Uh, so, you know, we've been making these things occur. I, I firmly believe that the future is what you make it. And that if we lay the path right now, we know where we're going. We're not just blindly falling down a river. And many of us have done that, just blindly on a boat with no paddle and no steering going right. down the river. No, we can't do that anymore. We've we got to think like they think generations in advance where do we want to be in 2060 not 2022 where do you want to be in 2060 or 2100 uh you know that's what we need to start thinking about yusuf absolutely so uh you know you know max the lawyer in me so I, i look at the season that we've had and you know we we've had you know our theme was badges and incidents of slavery and I believe that we've proven our case. And as the old cases go, since we were talking about the courtroom, you know, you start off with your opening argument and then you present your evidence. And we've even posed questions many times to the listeners and, you know, rhetorically, like saying, you know, tell us a time when uh, black people in general have had a good relationship with police officers, you know, and no one's ever come back with any counter argument to that because we know the answer to that. It's never been. And so after the case is over, you have to have your closing argument. And I think if we played, uh, it's an actual speech, (laughs) an address by Professor William Carter, Jr., the professor of law at the University of Pittsburgh, I think he hits the nail on the head. And I'm going to work really hard to get him on the show next season. Uh, he, he, He captures it in a speech that he actually calls Badges and Incidents of Slavery. And I'd like for us to play that, and we can start winding down the show with closing comments with anything everyone wants to share and also, you know, comments on this clip. Um, yes, we, we can do that. I would like to add a little bit more to the introduction and also say that uh, there's a story we're going to share before the evening is out in regards to a lawsuit against the GEO group. It sets huge precedents and is another major victory uh, that we have uh, accomplished. So I will share that after the speech. Um, in regards to this a particular speech that we have here, um, and it's Professor William Carter, Jr. He's professor of law at the University of Pittsburgh. When we started the year, this is what we said we want to do. We want to get this idea out here, start using badges, and incidents of slavery because Congress has control in that manner uh, for badges and incidents of slavery. And since then, that has been the application many have used, including the spirit of Mandela, also Andy Williams, who ran for president in 2020. He filed a lawsuit nationally using badges and incidents of slavery. Uh, So I would say getting that out into the atmosphere has been successful for us this year, and it is now a permanent tool to be used that was previously unknown. But it didn't come out of my mind. I listened to these experts like Professor William Carter, Jr. So let's go ahead and play that. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. If you want to join the conversation, you do that after this. We'll be right back. Abolition Today. In terms of what I plan to focus on, I'm going to possess to talk about two of my articles um, that I guess kind of span a spectrum of my writing about race and the law. So the first one is called a 13th Amendment Framework for Combating Racial Profiling. And that one 
I think was published maybe in 2004, 2005. It was one of my first big articles. And that one um, looks at the issue of racial profiling through the lens of the 13th Amendment and through a lesser known aspect of the 13th Amendment that it prohibited not only literal slavery, but also what its framers called the badges and incidents of slavery. Those modern day conditions that are a legacy of uh, slavery or that uh, were an outgrowth of it. And so in that article, I argue that a wide scale system of uh, criminal suspicion based upon skin color is a badger incident of slavery because it mirrors, even if not driven by the same purpose, the kind of racialized control over autonomy and freedom of movement that black slaves as well as all free blacks were subject to during slavery. So I'll talk a little bit about that one piece, and I know that David and Jalila um, will have a lot to contribute there because of their own work about race and the criminal law. The other piece is much more recent. In fact, it's still a draft. Um, it's been accepted by the Texas Law Review, but hasn't been published yet. It'll come out next year. And it's about uh, freedom of speech and slavery. So the, the idea of that one, it, again, kind of drawing on the legal history of slavery, is that, in my view, as well as in this view of many other scholars, we have two distinct constitutional regimes. There's the framing to Civil War regime, right, the 1787 to 1865 Constitution, which I'll call the original founding. And then there's what's referred to as the second founding, the post-Civil War constitutional amendments, as well as federal civil rights statutes, that the people at the time who adopted them thought of as representing a second American revolution, a second founding of the nation, in turning away from a society based on racial slavery to one who, at least in its fundamental charter, would be based upon freedom and equality for all persons, not merely a subset. In constitutional doctrine, as you'll recall, the cases, and indeed I would say probably most professors, spend very little time talking about the second founding as a new constitutional moment. We talk a lot about specific provisions from the post-Civil War Constitution, right? So you spend a ton of time on equal protection, due process, privileges and immunities, etc. But in general, when we talk about the pre-Civil War Constitution, we tend to act as if the second founding moment never happened. For purposes of this paper, I contend that courts tend to act as if what freedom of speech meant in 1791 when the Bill of Rights was ratified is exactly the same thing from an original meaning perspective as what it should mean today. And my point is actually not so much to kind of claim or disclaim originalism. It is simply if you're going to analyze the Constitution from an originalist perspective, there is another originalist moment where the original framers view was modified elaborated upon and in some cases rejected by the second framing. And so the article in one sense is kind of a theoretical plea that we take the post-Civil War Constitution seriously as a second founding moment. The second more specific part is if you accept that frame, which certainly not everyone would, what might it mean for how we interpret some specific constitutional provision? And one of those is the First Amendment. 
So the, I think, kind of um, most novel contribution that the article makes is that it looks at freedom of speech, not just through the lens of the first Founding's Framers, nor exclusively through the lens of the second Founding's Framers, but that actually foregrounds the views of enslaved persons themselves and asks, what did freedom of speech mean to them in a condition of slavery? What denial of their free speech rights did they experience? What would they have hoped or expected the post-Civil War vision of freedom of speech to entail? And I argue that as part of the constitutional polity that would help uh, us understand the general public meaning of freedom of speech under the post-Civil War Constitution, that the voices of enslaved persons have been almost entirely ignored in constitutional interpretation. So I draw from a lot of first-person slave narratives where the slaves talk about um, their experiences with being denied freedom of speech and talk about what they think it should mean uh, under the reconstructed constitution. Um, so I'll be talking about those in the talk and you know, hopefully folks will find it interesting. Um, but I think what all of my 13th Amendment work, including this most recent piece, are trying to do is to show there is a different constitutional legal history that has largely remained untold, right? that particularly the um, post-Civil War Constitution was one that was about equal dignity and equal worth and about freedom and liberty in many aspects. Some of them were liberty of body and movement, which is the racial profiling piece. Some of them are liberty of mind and conscience, right, which is the um, First Amendment piece. But the animating impulse is the same, um, that, you know, there's a, a long debate about whether our Constitution was originally pro-slavery or anti-slavery. Um, and my point, I guess, the intervention I make in my work is that in seeking to answer that question, we have to look at our Constitution as, as a whole. And too often our courts and lawyers act as if the post-Civil War Constitution didn't really happen. Abolition. 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 That was Badges and Incidents of Slavery, Professor William Carter, Jr., Professor of Law at the University of Pittsburgh. Lots to unpack there, Max. Oh, uh, yeah, quite a bit, but he's very clear about what he's saying, and it is uh, profound and a very powerful tool to use, which we have used this year and got others to use. You know, for instance, one of the things that we've done here is he said that in the antebellum period, one of the things that were missing the most was the voices of the enslaved themselves. So everything came from the perspective of the enslaver. Um, and we have always made sure we made room for the voices of those behind enemy lines, including Absolutely. initiating live from the plantation, a revolutionary series that went 28 episodes. We didn't think it'd go two episodes because of the dangers right. involved and what we were doing. But nonetheless, we went 28 episodes. You should check that out. And just tonight, calling in Alonzo from Louisiana's Angola prison. And uh, he also mentioned about the two foundings of America, and he's very much correct. We act like there wasn't no 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment. Uh, America basically frowns upon Reconstruction. Uh, it was a failed thing, and everybody knows it. Uh, we don't even celebrate the anniversary of the 13th Amendment. Like, that tells you a lot right there. It, it doesn't seem right. to be that important. You know what I mean? Nobody, how many people can call in right now and know exactly when the date is? You, you know what I mean? Nobody, 
those, right. but we got a holiday for Juneteenth, <laughs> and that just happened in 2021. Well, well, surely listeners of Abolition Today, our regular <laughs> listeners will know. <laughs> yes, yes. But it just shows the intent, how how they view this. Uh, they, do, they do not see the period, antebellum period, uh, or the period after the Civil War as a new founding, which it was. And it was supposedly given equality to all of U.S. citizens uh, here. But that's not what happened. They immediately, as you know, switched to convict leasing and black codes and pig laws and criminalizing black life. And then started using slave labor through the state rather than through the individual. And that never stopped it only increased, and the increases happened uh, primarily with Nixon, with Reagan, uh, uh, mm-hmm. with Clinton, with Obama, and then with mm-hmm. Trump. It just each one of them added some more to it to make it bigger and bigger and bigger until we find ourselves today in a nation that has the largest prison population to have ever existed on the face of the earth at any time ever, and with more black right. people. Black men in particular, but more black people in prison than the top five African nations who have the most population combined. Five of them. And then we see. Nigeria. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, and then we see how this mold that's been created in America is starting to be duplicated all over the world. You know, we just profiled how when uh, Jamaica. You know, wanted to have some type of financial plan. They say, "Well, hey, build prisons, build a private prison." <laughs> that That's was the with, solution uh, all over the world. With Britain, um, they demanded reparations from Britain, and Britain's reply right. was, "We'll build a for-profit prison here, and that's how you can make your reparations. By we'll show you how to use this prison as an economic development program, and we'll finance it because we're going to get money off you Negroes anyway." <laughs> You know, that's how they did it. I like that's a real thing that happened. <laughs> like you offered them that's a real tale. Prisons at, in lieu of financial reparations for slavery. So they know what the connection is. You, yeah, yeah right. we, we see talked this about spreading all over Africa. It's spreading. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. spreading everywhere. This that's the solution. Build these for-profit prisons, and we'll show you how to make money. I mean, we even had a, a live slave auction, if we want to call it, when they were auctioning off a prison, and the gentleman said, look, you'll have an unlimited supply of product, you know, that you'll be able to have coming in. And even the product that they're talking about are the people, the people that are going to be housed there. That's their product. You will have what an unlimited saying? supply. Whatever your uh, product is, whatever it is you're making, you will have a steady supply of people here in the United States to fill this prison. <laughs> and that right. was a selling point. And it started at five and a half million. So there's your value on heads. It's not the property that they're auctioning off. It's what's in it. Because a prison without people is what? An empty building. It's an <laughs> so empty you're building. Buying, you're just buying people with these contracts that they have with the private industry talking about how the prisons must be filled 80 to 100 percent for 20 to 25 years and it's written as a uh, in the contract and in states like colorado uh where their prison population went down they were forced to pay what is called a low crime tax to make up for the beds that weren't filled 
<laughs> like what? But yet, yeah, yeah. I know some people are sitting there like, what? Did I just hear you correctly? Yeah, you just heard us correctly. That you heard us correctly. They have to pay for empty beds to these prison companies, these private By prison contract. companies. Right, exactly. And the human trafficking that's involved in it, like we reported on the prison in Arizona, in Eloy, which was housing just Hawaiians. So if you commit a crime in Hawaii, they put your ass on a boat and send you over to Arizona into a prison there. Uh, you know, we talked about it where Vermont was doing the same thing with prisons. Now mm-hmm. they're working with Mississippi. So if you commit a crime in Vermont, they're sharing the wealth of Mississippi. <laughs> you go to the deep, dark south in, in a prison if you get arrested that in is, Vermont. You know? Yeah, human trafficking. Human, human trafficking, trafficking right out in the open. You know, and, the the auctions the auctions now are held on Wall Street um, well, through you your four one K programs, you know, where you're investing in your four one K, you don't know that your your financial uh whomever is handling your four one K is investing in private prisons or they're investing in companies who do business with private prisons. We've laid out the shell game. You can check out our episode called The Money Machine. That was uh, uh, last, I was going to say last semester, last season, you know, the money machine where we showed you how all the different companies are involved and they play this shell game with the money that they got better at it. You know, when it went from the individual being the owner to the state being the owner, they got really good with it and they've had, you know, over almost 160 years of practice of getting better at it. And that's why when you said earlier that we have to prepare for the future for when it rears its ugly head again, because while we're sitting here trying to, or not trying to, but actually doing it, abolishing slavery within the country, they're also sitting places saying, okay, what's our next iteration? You know, we already see what they're doing with immigration. We already know what they're doing with the treatment industrial complex. We know what they're doing uh, with family services, separating the the children from their parents under the vaguely de- uh, described uh, word neglect. So we know that they're working on their next iteration of how they want to carry out this program. There's just too much money, too many people employed for them to just let this go. Well, I want to take us out with a victory, uh, Yusuf. We're coming up on the end yes. of the program, our last segment, and our shout-outs. So let's let's go out with this victory. Um, this comes from Reuters.com, and the date is uh, October 28, 2021. This is brand-new news. The title says, Jury says Geo Group must pay minimum wage to immigrant detainees. A federal jury in Washington has found that private prison-operated GEO Group, Incorporated, GEO.N, violated state minimum wage requirements by paying $1 a day to immigrant detainees who participated in work programs. After a trial that lasted nearly three weeks, the jury in Tacoma, Washington, handed down a verdict for the plaintiffs in consolidated 2017 lawsuits against GEO by a class of detainees in the office of Washington Attorney General Bob Ferguson. Florida-based GEO did not respond to a request for comment. Well, see, this sets precedence right here. 
First of all, mm-hmm. let me point out that this is detainees. This is immigrants. These are not American citizens. And they're saying the state violated, uh, the Geo Group violated state laws by paying them a dollar right. a day. And they now are able to get back pay all the way back to 2014 for the work that they've been doing. Uh, first of all, it shows you how they're exploiting people, right? They made like $17 million on their backs. Uh, also, it uh, shows you what the product is and what the incentive is. Uh, this should apply now to every prison and every jail in America, not just the immigrant detainees, but to the people in Louisiana working on a cot field, the people in Texas working in the cot fields, the people in California making right. eyeglasses, uh, the people who are making computer parts, all of this. If you just baking cakes in the kitchen, you are now entitled to minimum wage and back pay for the time that you've been doing. And not just the people who are still behind bars, but the people who have already gotten out after spending 10 years working for free, 20 years working for free. They're all applicable to uh, file this same type of lawsuit. So prisons got a problem right now. Uh, For-profit prisons in particular, but state prisons, local, uh, federal, all have a big problem right now. And that's how we're taking out 2021, by kicking ass and taking names. Um, I want to say thank you to all our callers who came and called in tonight. We love you so much. You you really made my heart feel a lot better considering the circumstances. I needed tonight, as I said, to get my mind off of the problems that we have here at home with our family member in critical condition and very little if no hope at all. And to know that there is hope in the world, which is in you, that made me feel a lot better because you are the hope. It doesn't take everybody. It just takes you, the people who were here today, those who are listening, and those who are just like you. That's all it takes. If you're willing to work at it, we can get it done. And if others see you doing it, they may follow your lead. So let's get her done. And uh, I'll see you during the year still with the specials we have coming in December, and we'll be back January 3rd with Season 3 of Abolition Today. I suspect very very likely the theme of the year will be exercising your right to vote. Yusuf, I want to say very thank you, big year especially you and Jeanette, uh, for being a part of this year with me as well as we uh, fought this fight. You know, man, these are, these are tough, and I'm not going to talk to you like it's goodbye, because <laughs> you and I are still going to be communicating regularly. You know, yeah. we just won't be on air, because we'll be putting together next season. We still have some stuff to do that we'll have broadcasting on the air, you know, so don't think you'll have just dead air for the rest of the year. We'll have stuff up for you all to listen to. Uh, but, Max, I mean, you know, it's, it's been an incredible journey when I always look back at just how how you and I met and how we just hit it off just from day one, going back to from the middle the of that snowstorm back in, yeah, yep. <laughs> back in 2009, man. Your first words to me, what do you know about the 13th <laughs> Amendment? <laughs> and, and I've been on it ever since, man. You've just been educating me along the way, you know, and uh, – it's, it's just been really great, and I ditto thanks to all of the callers, you know, all of the people that just have conversations with us throughout time and people always inviting us out to do other things. 
so we thank them. We definitely want to thank our sponsors, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, uh, just starting with them. I mean, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak are people who are incarcerated who said, you know, we want to put together a show that's talking about – basically, they, gave, they said, look, go put a show together. They, they told me, do what you do, here. Max. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. We don't want you to change. Just do what you do. <laughs> and I was like, no. Right. And I got the perfect person to do it with me. <laughs> uh, thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, so Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the I Am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy, Advocacy Network, Sama Urge, Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Black Talk Radio Network. Uh, we just want to re- remind everyone, rem- uh, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash abolition today. You know, go to that page for all the news, information, and music you hear on the program. You also find it on Facebook at Abol- our Abolition Today page. We're available on all major podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher, you know, all of them, all of the major podcast platforms. We're also simulcast on the Black Talk Radio Network. Remember to join the movement at AbolishSlavery.us. That's the official website for the Abolish Slavery National Network. And also go to InTheException.com, where you can actually text InTheException is one word. To uh, what is it again? Five, five, four, five, two, eight, eight, six. Right. In the, in the exception to five, two. Eight, what is eight, it six. again, Max? Five, five two, two, eight, 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 eight six. six. <laughs> yeah, just end the exception, one word, and that will immediately send a letter to your local representative as well as your state representative in support of our federal and state efforts. And so remember that we'll be broadcasting, you know, again, episodes each week for the rest of the year, or at some point you'll hear everything. Definitely want to tune in for Max and Tribal's New Year's Eve special where they play all the selected tracks from our abolitionist music soundtrack. So just to close it out for the season, our uh, Bridging the Gap segment is going to be called, it's the final sermon of Vernon Johns, and that's going to be performed by James Earl Jones, and that's going to be accompanied by a Max Mix of Public Enemy Number 1. So we'll be back on Sunday, January 2nd, 2022. Third. God willing. Third. Whatever that yes. Sunday is. I've been saying second <laughs> and third all day. Uh, hopefully I will second. be in yeah, South second. Carolina and we'll be broadcasting live from the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, both of us together. So until we see you again and speak to you again, God bless you all. Thank you all for being with us for this season. Think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. As you all know, Deacon Hill, Coach Hill, whom we all knew and loved, was killed this past week by the Montgomery police. Brother Hill was my friend. He was your friend. He was these three boys' father. He was this woman's loving husband. Brother Hill was a good man. A courageous man. Last week, 
Brother Hill found the cause worth dying for. I envy him. Like Moses, he was a peaceful man who saw something that so horrifies him that he was compelled to act. They say he was interfering with the police in the execution of his duties. I say he was carrying out God's program. Now, I don't have to remind you about the Ten Commandments. Brother Hill knew that the, the simplest and the clearest of those Ten Great Commandments was, Thou shalt not kill. God never said, Thou shalt not kill unless you are a police officer. He most certainly did not say, Thou shalt not kill Yes, you are white. Last week, a white man was fined for shooting a rabbit out of season. But it's safe to murder Negroes. A rabbit is better off than a Negro because in Alabama, niggers are always in season. And I'll tell you why it's safe to murder Negroes. Because Negro, stand by and let it happen. When the plan burns across, it is a message. The next step will be a lynching. As I watched the cross burning outside the church last night, it occurred to me that the crucifixion was just that. A lynching. Isn't it ironic that everything we worship was made possible by a lynching? Because at that ultimate moment of death, Jesus spoke the words that transformed a lynching into a crucifixion that made Jesus not a condemner, but a redeemer. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But the white policemen who are free day after day to murder Negroes know what they do. And you know what you do. When you stand by and watch your brothers and sisters being lynched, it is as if you stood by while Christ was being crucified. Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. That's what you are. Because you sit here every Sunday morning praising Jesus. While you know that every Saturday night your brothers and sisters are being murdered. You say nothing. You do nothing. Is it fear? afraid if you speak too loudly or protest too strongly you'll be killed like brother Hill you well may be he who takes not this cross and follows me is not worthy of me
Are you worthy of Jesus Christ? Or are you only worthy of the state of Alabama?